0: How y'all doing? <clears throat> Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to be here. <clears throat> um, where am I? <laughs> Texas is a big state. Uh, we're in the temple of the Lord tonight, so <clears throat> that's also the city's name, right? Temple. But I'm glad to be here. Good to see Pastor Ridge again and Brother Michael. I've uh, been knowing him for a number of years and Uh, Dr. Tom, good to see you again. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight about um, a favorite subject of mine. And it's about faith. Faith and belief. In the Bible, the words are synonymous. um, And you can kind of interchange those two words and not do any disservice to the Scripture at all. Uh, But I want to challenge you tonight uh, through the Word that we might become the people that we are intended to be. That's what God desires of us. I'm convinced that if God got His people where He wanted them, evangelism and church starting would not be a problem. The problem is not with the world. Sinners are going to always act like sinners. Aren't they? That's what they do. So we as God's people need to understand that we need to be in right relationship in order that the, the Lord can work through our lives and can touch the world around us. Now, if you have your Bible with you tonight, turn with me to John chapter 6. I'll uh, begin reading in a few moments, but I'll bring you up to date on where we are in John chapter 6. That is the familiar story that all of you have heard about, the feeding of the thousands with five loaves and two fish. You remember that? Uh, There were 5,000 men, according to John 6, but according to theologians, there could have been as many as 15,000 in that crowd. Now, I say could have been. I didn't say there were. I just said, you know how people try to figure this thing out. There could have been as many as 15,000. Now, do you actually believe that God could feed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish? You know why you believe that? Because it's in the book. Right? You've got to believe it if it's in the book. Now, don't respond out loud to this one. This is a question that God needs to ask you individually. Do you believe that God can now take your life with five loaves and two fish and feed thousands of people? Or... Is this story that we read in John 6 a wonderful story that we tell our kids about, but it really doesn't affect me? If that's true, then every story in the Bible is going to be a story that you can tell your children about, but it will not affect you. But the Bible says that the word of God is a living word. Now, if the word of God is living, that means that it has to have life somewhere doesn't it and the only visible place that the word of God could have life is in you and me and so we have to come to grips with this whole thing let me let me just share this with you do you know that Jesus did not see the miracle that he himself performed this was amazing to me because the teacher or rabbi as was the custom would always stand on a raised platform or sit on a rock, or some elevated place, and from that position, he would teach the people. Well, Jesus was probably sitting on a rock, told the people to sit down, Mark says in groups of 50, and um, he took the bread and the fish, and he broke it, and to whom did he give it? Who? The disciples. Now, let's put that in our modern day. Who would Jesus give that to today? To you and me, right? And so Jesus gave the bread and the fish to the disciples, and they went out, 15,000 people is a few more than here tonight, right? In fact, they probably could not have seen the end result of the people sitting down. Jesus was still there, and the amazing thing was that as the disciples distributed to those men and women and children, they saw... They saw the bread multiplied. They saw the fish increased. And it taught me a valuable lesson. God distributes to you the loaves and the fish. And then as you go, you will experience God exploding the miracle right in front of you. Do you remember what Jesus' first sermon was? repent for the kingdom of heaven is where at hand now I know that they could say that means that he's close to coming he's in the the arena of time it's close but when I read that scripture and God spoke to me you know what God said to me God said Lonnie when you repent my kingdom of heaven will be at hand he said where is your hand I said it's right there He said, that's where my kingdom will be when you repent. And do you understand now why I fell on my face before a holy God and cried out to him, Lord, I am not worthy of you. I I repent of who I am so that I might become who you created me to be. And from that day to this day, I'm so grateful to be able to say that the kingdom of God is exactly where he said it would be because God never fails Or God never lies. If God fails or lies, he will fail to be God. You understand that? And so we began to believe that this scripture was not a storybook. This scripture is for me. And if God could feed 15,000 with five loaves and two fish, he could use me to do that, or else it was untrue for me. Do you understand where my heart was in this? And so when the story came to my wife about the hungry kids and the mountains of Appalachia who were going hungry and losing weight because there was no food for them to eat and we would run to God and here's the way we would pray how you pray is as important as that you pray because you can pray and miss it James said or you can pray and hit it you need to understand the difference in those two and so we began to pray like this Lord you fed two million people in the desert with manna since you fed so many with so little Now listen how we pray. Could you teach us how you want to feed hungry mountain kids? I did not ask God to teach me how to do it. I don't want to be taught how to do it. I want to see God do it. And so I said, Lord, would you teach me how you want to feed hungry mountain kids? And God said, okay, I will. And he began to send us in food from all across America. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Truckloads of food would show up. I mean semi-loads. The police department in Cumberland called me up and said, Lonnie, you need to come down here. I said, what's the matter? Somebody break in something? What's going on? He said, no, there are three semi-trucks on Main Street blocking traffic, and they want you to come down and get all this stuff they brought to you. Three semi-loads. We unloaded that food and began to give it away. Now, watch this. We were giving away $300,000 worth of food every year through Manor House. We didn't ask anybody for food or money. You know why? Because this verse is true. If God could do it here, then God could do it here. Question is, can God do it where you are? Absolutely he can. Same God. The problem is when we pray, we have our agenda. We have our list that we bring to God. And we hope God shows up somewhere in the list. i got some sad news for you tonight. There are no prayer lists in the Bible did you know that? There's not a single one. But we have these prayer lists. Now, if you do, I'm not picking on you because I, I haven't read your bulletin or seen the bulletin insert. But we'll have a prayer list that's uh, front, back, and sometimes you put it on, uh, instead of an insert, you put it on 8.5 11. Now, I saw in one church where they go to 8.5 by 14 both sides, and they reduce the font, so you can get them all on there. And they say, here, pray for this prayer list. Now, you be honest with me. There wouldn't be one out of a thousand that would take the time to earnestly, fervently pray for every person on that prayer list. But you know what we do? We say, Lord, bless those on our prayer list, done deal. Is there any reason that we're not seeing God show up and do amazing things? Because we're praying in the wrong direction, and we're praying vain prayers. Now, am I saying prayer lists are bad? No. How we use them are bad. That's what the problem is. Now, what I suggest you do is let God lay four or five of those people on your heart on that prayer list. Then you pray fervently for them, and you get involved in their life And you see what God's going to do in their life. And then you can praise God for what he's done. That's the end result. It's the praise of God. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And when you begin to praise him for what he's done, it's incredible what he does. Well, chase that rabbit. So the next day, the Bible says in John 6, that during the night... Other boats came in. Jesus got tired. He goes up to this private place to pray. And the disciples get in the boat and head across the lake. Get over to the other side. The storm comes up. Jesus comes walking on the water. Walks through the boat out on dry land on the other side. The people get up the next morning. No boat. No disciples. No Jesus. And no food. So they jump in these boats that came in during the night and head across the lake. (laughs) Uh, John boat jam on the lake going across there to try to find Jesus. And so they get to the other side. And then we pick this up in verse uh, 24. And when John 6, When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got in the boats, And came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus, totally ignoring the question, answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now let me explain that in East Kentucky language. You know why y'all here this morning? That's because you got a free dinner last night. And you're looking for a free breakfast this morning. Isn't that what he said? And then he says this amazing statement. Do not, verse 27, do not labor for food which perishes. Man, you know that hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, Why is it that we work 40 to 60 hours every week? Isn't it so that we can feed our family, put clothes on our back, have a roof over our head? Isn't that the reason we work all the time? But Jesus said, don't labor for stuff that perishes. You know everything you see around here is going to perish one day. If that's all you work for, you will have stuff and miss life. You will have stuff and miss life. Don't work for st- God has all the money you need. Okay. Now I know the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. If a man don't work, let him not eat. That's what it says, right? Well, What's that mean? That means that when you are investing your life in the kingdom, you will work. Because the kingdom of God is not a place for lazy people. You will work hard when you get in the kingdom. And I can tell you from our staff members that we have, it's a 40 to 60 hour job every week. Every week. And it's hard work. And but he's saying to them, if that's all you're working for, you're going to miss life. If, if you don't believe that, you can go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm preaching now. You can go to Matthew chapter 6, and he said, why don't you consider the sparrow? I tell you, the sparrow doesn't sow, nor does it reap, but God feeds them. Doesn't God love you more than the sparrow? Is that just a story you tell people about? Or can God really do that for you? He said, why don't you consider the lilies of the field? I tell you, Solomon, all his glory is not dressed like one of these. Is here today and gone tomorrow. Doesn't God love you and know how to clothe you more than the lily of that field? Then he goes on down in Matthew 6, 33 and says this. First seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things, what things? Perishable things. All these things will be what? Now, do you believe that? Or is that just a story you read, but it really doesn't apply to you? It does apply to you, sir. It does apply to me. Because when Jesus gave you life, he gave it to you abundantly. And we're supposed to be different from the world? Come out from among them and be ye a separate people? Why, why is that? It's because God's people are called to be a people of faith and prayer. But unfortunately in our time, the people of God and the people of the world are indistinguishable. In many cases, we can't tell one apart from the other. And so Jesus says, Don't labor for stuff that perishes. But rather, he goes on to say, But for the food which endures to everlasting life, verse 27, you know what that means to me? Invest your life in something that will outlive you. If you're trying to cram your life into 70 years, you're going to miss it. Because we be 70 years and we're going to be gone right so you got to invest your life into something that's going to outlive you something that's going to give meaning to your life and purpose you know what that is the kingdom of god invest your life in the kingdom in such a way that everything you are everything you have belongs to god and therefore god will use that in miraculous ways to extend his kingdom even farther beyond you now you're with me here in verse 27 Don't labor for food which perishes, but food which is due to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will, what's that other word? Are you there? Will what? Will give you. You mean God will give me all that stuff? That's just what he said. The question is, do you believe it? The question is, can God do that where you are? That's what I'm here to challenge you with. And so they come to the Lord in verse 28, and they ask him a very legitimate question. They said this, what then shall we do that we may work the works of God? Have you heard that preached on before? Now let's put that in context. They had just seen Jesus feed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. They come to him and say, Lord, my translation, how can we do what you just did? We want to know how we can feed thousands with five loaves and two fish. Isn't that what he said? What what shall we do that we can work the works of God? Just tell me, what shall we do? Jesus' response was pretty incredible. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent, period. You mean all I have to do is believe? How would you get saved? You believed, didn't you? And Jesus saved you because you believed in him. We are to live our life the exact same way. Just believing in God, that God can do what we cannot do, and when God wants us involved in it, he will tell us about it. That's the way we live our life every single day. Now, I know that some of you are going to say, um, <clears throat> well, let me, let me get to this, and I'll, I'll come back to that. When God called us to Lynch, Kentucky, I was pastoring a very affluent church. Some of you, how many of you heard this before? Oh, a few of you. Pastoring a very affluent church in Mississippi. The church bought my wife and I our dream home. They bought us a five-bedroom, three-bath, Tudor Estate executive home right near a 40-acre lake. Guy in the church said, now you can't live near a lake and not have a boat, so he gave me a new bass boat. The church bought us Cadillacs, whatever we wanted, we had. Very, very wealthy church. So I thought, man, I'll just settle down here and live the life of Riley. That's my last name, by the way. And, uh, <clears throat> but my mother-in-law passed away in our home. Uh, she lived with us for seven years, uh, passed away in our home in Mississippi. And we took her back to Lynch, Kentucky, where my wife grew up, to bury her there beside her husband. While we were there, several people came by and said, You're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I sure am. They said, We need come, somebody to come to the mountains and help us. Nobody will help us here. Now, we looked around, and we saw the illiteracy, poverty, unemployment, hopelessness in the eyes of the people, and we responded like the typical Christian. Man, you sure do need help. And we'll what? Yeah, we'll pray for you. Now, sometimes we say that just to get rid of people, right? I mean, don't look at me pie. Surely I'm not the only guy that does that. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'll pray for you, but I'm going to get on back down to Mississippi and enjoy this good stuff God's given me. But on the way God back down there, God spoke to my wife and I and said, That's where I want you to be in Lynch, Kentucky. Now, that's not a good idea, is it? To go from a wealthy, affluent place to the poverty of central Appalachia. It's not a good idea. So God had to tell me, that's where I want you to be. And so in my daily reading, God spoke to us in Isaiah 41, verses 17 and following. And here's what he said to me that day. The poor and the needy are thirsty. And there is no water for them to drink. But I, the God of heaven, have heard them. And I will make a river to flow from the mountains so that all men will know that God has done this thing. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here in Temple, Texas tonight not because I'm a great preacher, as you can tell. I'm not a great administrator. I'm not a great missionary. But God is always faithful to do exactly what he says. That's why I'm here. And when God speaks it, it is a done deal. I don't care what else happens around you. When God says it, it is a done deal. What has God said to you lately? It's going to be a done deal. So we go back to Lynch, Kentucky. And uh, we sit down at the kitchen table. And can y'all see that? Uh, That's a blank piece of paper. Nothing on there. You see that, don't you? We said, Lord... Here's our strategy. Here's what we're going to do for you. It's right here. I said to the Lord, but I want you to know, whatever you write on this, it's going to be already yes. We're not going to question you. We're not going to doubt you. We're not even going to try to figure out how to get it done. We're just going to say, Lord, you do it, we'll follow. You know, we, we know how to do good stuff for God. We can do a lot of good things for God and end up burnout. out. Why is that? It's because we've forgotten one key principle in the Scripture. And the key principle is this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they, we, by and large, have forgotten how to follow. You know why? Because we have become so educated that we know how to do it for God. You'll never do for God what God can do. Never will you do that unless God involves you and you follow him along the way and God will be showing up every single time it won't be your ingenuity your creativity it'll be the display of the power of God in your life and everybody in the community will see it when God displays his power they did in the Bible and if they did in the Bible they're going to see it where you are so <clears throat> we had to believe that God was going to show up I'll tell you a few things about that and uh I'll, I'll keep checking on the time so we don't stay too late. I could be here all night. Uh, we moved back to Lynch, Kentucky in 1999. The wind chill factor was 20 degrees below zero. That's kind of cold in the mountains. The last few years, it's been quite warm. But that year, it was quite cold. 20 degrees below zero wind chill. I walk out the back door of my little four room house. That'll bless you to go from a five bedroom to a four room house, right? You know, we still got stuff stored after 20 years that we, we don't know what's up there. It shows you how much you need this stuff that perishes, right? No, I don't have a clue. But anyway, I go out the back door. There's sat two boxes on the back doorstep. I pick them up, took them in the house, yelled at my wife. I said, honey, come and look at this. She said, what is it? I said, I don't know, but somebody left these boxes on their back doorstep. She said, what's in the boxes? I said, I don't have a clue, but just in case it's a bomb, I want you down here with me. <laughs> not going for myself. So we opened up these two boxes, and there were two 15-pound boxes of cookie dough. Cookie dough. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't refreeze some cookie dough. If you do, it ruins. Now, what are the chances that on my back doorstep would set two boxes, cookie dough, both boxes thawed out, and at 20 degrees below zero? I figure God must be up to something. So I look at my wife. I said, Honey, what are we going to do with this cookie dough? She said, we're going to bake cookies. So we did. Baked all these cookies, put them on paper plates, wrapped them up in aluminum foil and put a bow on top. Walked up and down the streets of Lynch and knocked on every door. And here's what we said. We just wanted you to know, unemployment, by the way, at that time was 53%. 53% in Lynch. I knocked on the door and I said, I just want you to know that God hasn't forgotten you this Christmas. We don't know if you're going to get anything else or not, but the Lord wanted us to come by. Tell you that he still loved you. and If you don't get anything else, he wants you to have these Christmas cookies. And we gave all of them away. But it taught us a valuable lesson. Everything God gives to you, sir, everything God gives to you, ma'am, it's just cookie dough. It's just cookie dough. Just like the loaves and the fish, it's just cookie dough. And when you give it away, God returns it pressed down, shaken together, and running over, so shall men give to your bosom. We don't give to get. We give because God first gave, didn't he? He gave us his son to die for our sins. And as long as I live, I will never, never cease to stand in deep gratitude to God and thanksgiving in my heart for him saving me. I can't get over that. But in the process of that, we have to learn how to take the things that God gives to us and dispense it in such a way that it's always more than enough. Isn't that the way God does things? And so the cookie dough, by the way, um, <clears throat> a cookie dough can take on a million forms. It can, it, can, it can look like an iPad, it can look like an iPhone, you know. But when God gives you this stuff, it'll look like a horse. Uh, mobile home rv race car farm new home million things but it's all cookie dough and god gives it to you for one reason every person in this room has cookie dough god gives it to you for one reason so that you'll figure out who you're going to use it for you're going to use it for you or you're going to use it for god every time you get something you do that don't you we all do And so every time you decide you're going to use it for you, you just cut off your supply of more cookie dough. Oh, now you can have more iPhones and four-wheelers, race cars, farms, but you'll spend the rest of your life paying for that which God wants to give you. Your choice. God will let you do either. We just decided we're going to let God show up and do this. We'll let God give us what he wants, and we'll give it away. And so then it started. Everything started happening. It was an incredible thing that we saw. Because everything you pray for is first birthed out of a need that you see or perceive. Am I right? The more acute the need, the more intense the praying. Am I right? If you don't believe that, let somebody close to you get the dreaded disease of cancer. Does that change how you pray? You bet it does. But God wants us to be that fervent in prayer all the time. So that we can walk in right relationship with Him. I wish I had time to tell you tonight how we pray. Because how we pray is very, very important. Maybe I can hit that at a later time. But to say that when God brings something to you, you will know how to pray in that response. God is constantly giving you loaves and fish. It just comes to you in a myriad of ways. If you aren't using it in a proper way, you will not see the mighty hand of God at work... In your loaves and fish. And not only will you not see it. Those around you will not see it. And they'll go through the motion. Of serving God every day. And never see God show up. Sad indictment. Isn't it? I don't want to go through a day. And not see God show up. Um, We were praying about. A difficulty that we. We have a lot of difficulties. Y'all probably don't face those, but we do, lots of them. And uh, when we travel, I keep my iPhone pretty handy. And just on the way down here, we had a need come up for an intern that we have coming in. And uh, this guy called me up and said he'd been praying for us and checked with his people that he checked with and said he'd be sending me a check within the next week. I said, well, that's just wonderful. We can really use that to help this person. I said, just out of curiosity, (laughs) you ever get curious like that? Just out of curiosity, what would that check be for? And he said, $10,000. I mean, God just sends that cookie dough to you. Now, me as a leader has to decide, Lord, how do you want to use this cookie dough? How do you want to best... Put this cookie dough out here so that everybody can see you at work in the process. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not for you. It's not about you. It's about him and his kingdom. And God continues to do that. Last time we went, we got a $15,000 donation for feeding hungry children. i never met this guy. Where is he from? South Carolina somewhere? North Carolina? Florida. Florida. But you never know. God knows people all over the world, right? And he knows how to put you together just right. And we're just driving down the road. You know why? Because my iPhone is God's. It isn't mine. Now, if it's yours, you're going to worry if that, is that a, uh, what do they call them people that want to sell you something all the time? Yeah. yeah. Is that one of those people? Or is that a bill collector? Not me. Man, I'm excited about that. I can't wait because God may be on the other end of that. He's going to tell me somebody's going to do something that his kingdom can be extended. You see? so you have to understand it's just cookie dough and just let god have it it's incredible what happens i wish i could tell you now let me tell you one more thing and uh then maybe i'll maybe i'll slow down here a number of years ago a lady gave us a parking lot in town just wanted to give us a parking lot and uh the lord spoke to me that day and said i want you to put a coffee shop in town i said okay I don't know how to put a coffee shop in town, but I'd be glad to do whatever you want. Lord, you're just going to have to show me how you want to do this. So uh, we wait on God. Uh, We wait on God until God shows up. Well, I waited on God 14 years. Nothing happened in the coffee shop. Most people wouldn't be willing to wait 14 weeks. You know why? Because we know how to do it, right? Right? But if you know how to do it, and you do it, you'll get credit for it. God knows how to do it the best way. We wait on Him, let Him do it, then we tell folks how God does it. God inhabits the what? The praise of His people. That's where God resides, not in telling folks about what you did. We waited on God 14 years, and this group comes to me and says, Brother Lonnie, would you want to have this building here in town? I said, oh yeah, I, I could use that building. Fourteen years later, they said, what would you do with this building? I said, I'd put a coffee shop in here. Because God, when God puts something on your heart, you'll never forget that. But if it's your idea, you may forget it in a month. But if it's God's direction, you'll never forget it. So I said, okay, I'll take it. I'll take the building. They said, well, we'd like to lease it to you. I said, oh, that's the catch, huh? I said, how much do you have to have for a lease on this building? He said, well, you call it, whatever you say. What we'll do. I said, okay, I'll give you one dollar for a hundred years. They said, okay, done deal. So we got this building for a hundred years for one dollar. And I won't be around for the lease renewal. <laughs> I'll let somebody else handle that. And so now I got this building and I'm getting ready to put a coffee shop in there. God's, God's given me the vision of what it's supposed to look like. And I'm drawing this thing out on a piece of paper. And people are coming in and saying, We want to help you. And they were building the ca- countertops. They were building all this stuff. And we don't have any coffee. I don't know anything about coffee except how to drink it. I love it. And so this guy comes from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And I showed him around. He said, This looks like a coffee shop going in here. I said, That's exactly what it is. He said, Well, you need to come to Cape Girardeau, Missouri and do a meeting for us. And then I'll introduce you to my son. My son owns Caldy Coffee Company out of St. Louis. He has 500 employees. He owns Honolulu Coffee Company, and he just opened 20 new coffee shops in Hong Kong. (coughs) I said, that's probably a guy that I need to meet. So I go to Cape Girardeau, do this meeting, took me out and showed me this big coffee facility, 500 employees in there. It was amazing. I learned more about coffee in one day than I could in a lifetime got through meeting, and um, I said, well, I appreciate you taking the time to show us around. He said, well, come on in the office and uh, tell me what God's doing in Lynch. I said, oh, I can do that. So I came in. next 45 minutes I was shared with him. At the end of that 45 minutes, he was in tears. He said, we want to help you. I said, how would you like to do that? Well, we want to design your bags. We want to roast your own blend of coffee. And we want to help you set up and train your Baristas. Now we have a world-class coffee shop in Lynch, Kentucky. That's all I saw. The first day the doors were open, a lady came in for prayer. She was the worst lady in town. Drugs, prostitution, whatever. Came in for prayer, and now that same lady has come to know Christ. She worked in the coffee shop and now has a major leadership role, great Christian lady. Now she has a great uh, leadership role in the addiction recovery program in our area where we have about 25 young women who go through that. You see, God knows how to do this stuff. It's not about coffee. It's not about a coffee shop. It's about cookie dough and how you're going to use it for the glory of God. You understand that? Now, let me tell you this. Now, there are six coffee companies in Kentucky that use our coffee. We have trained every one of them. We pay it forward. We got trained for free. We train them for free. Now they're coming from, they flew from Las Vegas, Nevada, Detroit, Michigan, South Carolina, Tennessee, and they're wanting to put a coffee shop like we have in those places around the country. I did not see that. All I saw was God wanted us to put a coffee shop in this place, and guess what? Everything else, everything in the middle, God did. Now, did I work? Yeah. I had to hang drywall. I had to clean the floors. I had to put up the counters. I had to put the lights in. I did that stuff. I do that stuff. It's work. But the end result is people are coming to know Christ, and now Asbury Seminary out of Kentucky has just written a book based on what they saw in Lynch, Kentucky called Entrepreneurial Church Starts. And you know what they're doing now? They're starting coffee shops in megacities, and from that, they're getting a core of people through which they now raise up a church. It's called Entrepreneurial Church Starts. It is absolutely the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Now, all it takes is saying, Lord, you tell me what it is you want. Just tell me what it is you want, and I'll follow you in that. You know our problem? We don't know what God wants. We know what we want. But what is on the heart of God? One final thing, and I'm through. In Jeremiah 29, 11, you find... I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope in a future. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But do you know what it says before that? Here's what it says. Pray for the city. Seek the peace of the city. For when the city is at peace, you will be at peace. Then he says, I know the plans I have for you. It's not about a building. It's about a city coming to know Jesus and seeing God's mighty hand at work. If you read the New Testament, the majority of the New Testament was written to churches where? In cities, at Corinth, at Ephesus, at Galatia, all these places. The seven churches of Asia in the the book of Revelation, all was a no-name church. It was inside the city because they were to affect the city so that the city could see the hand of God being displayed. I'm grateful that God is displaying His mighty power where we are. And now the world is coming to lynch. Um, Many nations of the world are coming to lynch to see the activity of God. And it's humbling to see folks come, because years ago when the coal mining industry was at its peak, People from 38 nationalities of the world resided in Lynch to mine coal. Now they're all gone, except some descendants along the way. But now the world is coming to Lynch again. Not to mine coal, but to see what God can do. My desire in coming to Temple, Texas, is to share with you the praiseworthy deeds of our God with the anticipation and prayer that God may touch one person in this building tonight that would be willing to say to God, I believe you can do the impossible. And I believe your kingdom can come right where my hand is. And you so release your life to God that you will become a walking example of what God desires to do to reach a city for His glory. Can God do that with you? Absolutely. He's done it with many. So um, what I'm going to do is pray with you and then turn the service back over to Brother Ridge. By the way, we've been in Haiti together, and he's been to Lynch uh, on a mission trip through this church. So we have a good connection there. I'm going to pray and turn the service back to him, and then I'll come back, see if you have any questions for me. I don't have all the answers, uh, but I know one who does, and so we can seek him in the process. Shall I pray with you tonight? Father, we're grateful that you can take a simple thing like five loaves and two fish and you can change the heart and minds of thousands of people. And Lord, we desire you, desire to see you do far greater things than that because you promised us as you left that greater things than I have done will you do. Well, that's an amazing statement. And... Could you help us understand and know how we can walk in the belief that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even ask or think? So, Lord, we release our life to you as best we know and understand. Pray that you would work in us and through us so that the world might see you demonstrated in your power and in that demonstration would be drawn to you. And we will be grateful for all that you do, for we pray it and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Brother Ridge, you come and share. Then I'll be back. See if you have any questions for me.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Brother Riley. Um, We're so delighted that he's here, and and, uh, we have the opportunity to uh, uh, sow into his ministry, and and we want to receive an offering tonight, and I'm going to ask our our, our praise team if they would come and and just uh, lead us in in that time. But, you know, um, um, all of us, have cookie dough (laughs) and and it's a it's an amazing thing and and um you know as we give as we seed into that ministry we have a part in that and i'm thankful for lonnie to come and share with us and to challenge us um and i know that in my own life there have been many times where uh this type of thing has been a, a, a tremendous blessing to be able to to hear a testimony and to be able to say lord what are you speaking to me and um you know, if, if you want to give, I want to give you an opportunity to give, and um, we're going to ask our ushers to come, if they would, and, and help us with this, um, but let's just have a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing together as well, and then we'll have Lonnie back for uh, some some more question and answer, but Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, and I ask God that you would just guide us. Um, Father, as we see your kingdom grow right before us, we recognize, God, that, that you are at work. And I'm thankful, Father, for people like like Brother Riley who will come and share and give of themselves, Father, to see your kingdom move forward. And, Father, I pray for the other churches that he will be speaking in. I pray, Father, that as a result of this weekend that you would ignite a fire uh, in each of our lives, Father, for the people of this great city. Father, that you would be glorified in that. Guide us as we seek you, Father.
2: my Um,
0: Who has the first question? Okay, now that that question has been asked, who has the second? (laughs) Okay. i think the question was how did god impress upon us where to go and is that the right question um i think it was how god had allowed us to perceive the need of our own people Uh, i'd been going to lynch for 20 years or more because that's where my wife lived my wife's mother lived there so we would take the grandkids over and see mom but i never saw i never saw the plight of the people I never saw that until my mother-in-law was gone, and we didn't have anything else there to hold us there. And then when, we, when God revealed that, the plight of our people, I'm from Hazard, I'm not a Duke boy, in case you remember, um, <clears throat> and my wife is from Lynch, so we're both mountain people. We just had the good fortune of being educated, and the Lord sent us around the world in mission work. And, but when we saw that, it was a deep burden of our heart. It was no longer a need that we saw. It was a burden that deeply affected our lives. Does that make sense? And so you'll see a, not, a lot of needs in temple. I assume that you're from uh, temple area. You'll see a lot of needs here. You can't address all of those needs. But it's the one that God so impresses you with. It's where God may be calling you to. So that's where the impression came from. And then God's confirmation came through His Word. It wasn't a good idea, as I mentioned, for me to leave a six-digit income salary to no salary. So for 19 years, my wife and I haven't received any salary. You can tell I haven't missed too many meals, right? God's taking care of us. He fed the sparrows. He can feed us. But now we have oversight of 29 full-time staff members that oversee ministries in our area. They all live the same way we do. We don't pay any of our staff. You say, well, how do they live? Like a sparrow. God feeds them. God clothes them. And He takes care of their financial needs. But I think when God burdens you, He uh, uh, then confirms to you in His Word. And then He allows you to see some cookie dough. Something that's so different and Unusual that you know it has to be God. Okay? Let me give you this example. What was Moses doing before the bush caught on fire? Ten and what? Ten and, sheep. Ten and sheep. What had he been doing for 40 years? Huh? Ten and sheep. Moses didn't change a thing, did he? No. God changed it. But when he saw something so different, Moses fell down and said, this has to be God right? Now, you may not see a burning bush, or like Paul on the road to Damascus. What was Paul doing? Yeah, what had he been doing for years? Persecuting Christians. But when God knocked him off that mule, he said, man, this first word out of his mouth was Lord, wasn't it? He knew this was so different. And I knew that this was so different. The After the confirmation, now this was so different, the cookie dough showed up, and everything started happening that way. And it was God. It wasn't me. It was out of the ordinary stuff. Uh, For instance, this group called me and said, we want to come and help you with a project. What do you need? Well, we had 600 people show up the first year, 1,200 the second year. We didn't call anybody. Still haven't. And we had to have a place for them to shower. So the city asked us to help them fix the park up, and I said, we will if you'll let us build a shower house. So, these people can take a shower somewhere. And uh, so they said, okay. So, I go to every lumber company in Harlan County. And I say to them, my name's Lonnie Riley. God's called me here to help people rebuild their homes and lives in Jesus' name. I want to start an account with you, but I want you to know I don't have any money. But I'll promise you that when God gives me the money, whatever I get, I will pay you for. They laughed at me, except one group. They said, okay. So, I go down project money for this bathhouse $15,000 we built a huge picnic shelter a concession stand and two I think we got eight showers in there and it was amazing and uh, this person called me up and said now you're going to pay this aren't you I said I told you when God gives me the money I'll give it to you so this group came from Georgia to help me build this bathhouse and they said our pastor got real concerned about the ministry up here in Lynch the poor people up here, and said he took up an offering before we left, big church, First Baptist Church, and it said, we brought you this offering. The offering was $15,000. So I took it down and paid the lumber company off. They call me sir when I go in there now. <laughs> <laughs> and so things like that, all of a sudden, you know that you have absolutely zero control over this. This is God's stuff. And all we started doing was telling people about what God did. Let me tell you about what God did. And God will supply your need. Uh, I'm on your time. I'll tell one more when we go to the next question. This lady, Joe and Jeannie Santibane, were in our church, and they had four little towhead kids. He was a forklift driver, and she was a stay-at-home mom. And a lady in our church, Janet, contracted cancer, throat cancer. She was a very young lady in late 20s, early 30s, and a beautiful singer. And she got throat cancer. And unless God intervened, she probably wouldn't make it very much longer. And uh, so Jeannie was in her bedroom one morning praying. Joe was at work. And God said, Jeannie, I want you to get up. I want you to go get a rose. I want you to take it to Janet, give her the rose, pray for her, and I will heal her and raise her up. She thought, wow, this is great. So she jumps up, runs into the kitchen, opens her purse, and she don't have any money. So she calls Joe at the factory. She says, Joe... Here's what God said to me. He told me to get a rose, take it over to Janet's house, and give, give the rose to Janet. you got to do what he says, how he says it. Give the rose to Janet. I'll pray for her. And he said he would heal her. He said, can you stop by and pick up a rose on your way home? He said, there was silence on the other end. Joe said, you know, honey, today's Thursday, and I don't get paid till Friday. I don't have a penny to my name. She said, well, what am I to do? She said, uh, Joe said, well, I suggest you go back and ask the Father. He told you what to do in the first place. Pretty wise, isn't it?" So she goes back, gets on her uh, knees again, begins to pray, and there was a knock on her door. She opens up the door, and there was a friend of hers I hadn't seen for a long time. They talked for about 30 minutes, and just on the way out, she said, by the way, what brings you down here? She said, oh, my husband and I just bought the local flower shop downtown. We've been cleaning it out today, and I have one rose in the back seat of my car. Do you know of anybody might need a rose? Jeannie said, I fell on my knees before her and shared what the Lord had shared with me. She said, well, this rose is for you. So Jeannie goes over to Janet's house, gives her the rose, prays for her. God is always faithful to do what he said. He raised up Janet Kokinji. And now all across the eastern seaboard of our country is a beautiful soprano voice. Because one lady got in touch with God and God supplied her what she needed. You see, she told that to our church. Guess what happened? Probably what you're thinking, tears in people's eyes. But it created a hunger in them to say, boy, I wish God would do something like that for me. You see what I'm saying? It's just simple stuff. And you know what I'm guessing? God does it every day for every one of us. We just aren't looking. Just aren't looking. If you just look and just tell somebody what God did today, it would be amazing what he'd do tomorrow. That's a long answer to a short question. Um, but God is amazing that way. And it continues to this day. Nineteen years later, it's still going. And I can't stop it because I didn't start it. I wouldn't dare try to stop it. Uh, God's going to take it where he wants it to go. It's amazing to me. Sir? Uh, do you have uh, shops like in Hadrian, Jackson, places like that? Or, uh... Uh, we have one in Hyden, one in Harlan, um, one in um, Manchester. Uh, and one in um, Lynch, and one in Richmond, or right near Richmond. Now we don't have it; we just train them. They, that's somebody else's ministry. How, how does that uh, utilize to affect the people? I mean, uh, uh, quick rundown, how, how that utilizes. How ours does? Yeah, how, how the coffee shop utilizes. To... Well, number one, it's a prayer place. People come in for prayer. We share Christ in there. And people come to know Christ in there, and our church grows as a result of that. Then we hire those people to to disciple them after they come to know Christ. And the other people are doing the same thing because they're Christian ministries. We don't dictate to them how they do that. They just use our coffee, and we train them how to be world-class barista people. Because we feel like if God puts you in something, it needs to be the best. Don't need to be second class. And uh, you've been to the coffee shop. It's a pretty nice little place. And everything that God gives us turns into a nice place uh, because we wait on God till He supplies whatever we need. So it's a place of evangelism and discipleship. And now it's going to be a place like in uh, Las Vegas and Tennessee and Detroit and South Carolina as a church uh, start plant. Uh, that wasn't in my radar. You see, I'm not God. All I do is obey him, and he takes it where he wants it to go. It won't be mine. I won't get any credit for it. The people who come to be saved won't know me, but they'll know Jesus, won't they? That's the key, isn't it, knowing him? Okay. Yes, sir. In your beginning, did you mention that you had a a format or a prayer that you voiced?
2: Um,
0: When we pray, you mean? Yeah, yeah, we, God taught us how, James says, you have not because you ask not, and you have not because you ask amiss, right? So when I read that, I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if there's a way to pray and miss it, there's got to be a way to pray and hit it. I want to know that way. I've been praying this way far too long. You know, if you prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing happened, thinking, what is the deal here? And then all of a sudden, God shows up, so now God has taught us how to pray, And um, I asked my wife some time ago, "Honey, can you think of a prayer that we prayed in the last ten years that God hasn't answered in the process of answering?" She said, "I can't think of a single one." And I wish I had time to teach you what the process looks like. But there is a way to pray so that God responds. You're praying what God wants, not what you want. How much fasting do you do? Not a lot, but I do some. But that's a private issue between me and God. No one ever knows that except my wife. Um, and so we don't have a set time schedule. Uh, we don't call our staff to fast. God has to do that if it's done properly in my opinion. And, um, but God responds in, in a fast situation. Because if you hunger for God more than you hunger for anything else, God's going to show up. He can tell you. So a great question. Thank you, sir. Any other questions? the time of my life <laughs> it's fun serving God but it's work it's hard work you know <clears throat> chance takes care of my schedule and he works me like a mule I mean he just keeps me going all the time <laughs> uh, we just got back from the Netherlands uh, I was home what two days got two or three days went to New York uh, and did a conference up there for a few days got back home for a couple of days and now we're in Texas but uh, that's the way God does stuff I'm just grateful to be here with you I trust you've been encouraged tonight. Uh, you've got some great leaders here in this church, and your pastor at your church, and Dr. Tom, your director of missions, you've got some great leaders, <clears throat> and as you follow the direction that God gives to those leaders, it'll be amazing what he will do. Yes. Yes, ma'am.
2: <coughs>
0: yes, if you'd, see, uh, if you'd see Chance More afterwards, we've written two books, one called By Faith, Living in the Certainty of God's Reality, that's a workbook that was done for the Southern Baptist Convention, the doctrinal study. Um, And that's a very good book. A lot of folks use that. And then we've written one called Miracle in the Mountains. uh, And it chronicles 57 miracles that God has done and the the principles that God has taught us. We also have a uh, six-CD teaching set. It's called uh, Faith, uh, the Transforming Power of God in the Heart of Appalachia, and that's what we want to do. Um, And uh, then we have some other CDs that we have. But you can see Chance, and he'll get you all that information, and you'll be able to contact him if you'd like some of that. I'm not here to sell you a book. Um, I just feel like if you want a book and you don't have any money, we'd be glad to give you a book. God takes care of us. It's no big deal. Um, But thank you for that. We have written some. They're trying to get me to write a follow-up book. I'm just not really into writing books. I just like to see God show up. That's a good thing. Other question? Yes. Um, I want to come to Lynch. Yes, ma'am. I want to see what God's doing. Um, do I talk to Chance about um, about who to contact? On yes. Okay. <laughs> I got to. I got to tell you this one. Um. Uh, uh, after we got the coffee shop going, these guys came to me and said, you want this big building here? And it was 313 feet long and 40 feet wide, the most historic building in town, the old bathhouse. I said, yeah, I'll take it. So they deeded it to us. And uh, they said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I don't have a clue, but God will tell me. He just gave me the building. So he will tell me what to do next. And uh, I was in Florida doing this meeting. and This guy comes up to me and said, I've got to come up and look around see if all this stuff you tell him is really true. I said, yeah, come on up. You can see it. So he looks around. He said, we can grow mushrooms in here. I said, what? He said, we can grow mushrooms in this bathhouse. I said, I didn't. I don't know how to grow mushrooms. So he brings these architects, mechanical engineers. I mean, they came from everywhere. It was crazy. They devised, they devised this uh, harvesting unit for mushrooms. Now we grow mushrooms in there. And we're working with a pharmaceutical company out of Virginia, that use mushroom powder in their pharmaceutical products and nutraceutical products, which is supplements, uh, vitamin supplements and stuff like that. And now we're working with L'Oreal. That's crazy. That uses mushroom powder for foundation and makeup. I didn't know that stuff. All I said was, okay, we'll take it. Now we're growing, listen to this, we're growing fodder, 28% protein hay in seven days. All organically grown, all inside, year-round. And now we're working with Morehead State University in UK in their equine nutrition program to help them develop this 28, because you can put that in a pelletizer, and it'll come out in 26% protein pellets for horses, cows, goats, whatever, right? And we've had two emails from the sheikhs of Saudi Arabia that's wanting to use our 28% protein pellet in their uh, equine nutrition programs for the thoroughbred horses. We haven't even grown it yet. It's the craziest thing. And you see, all we're doing is, it's just cookie dough. Who would ever thought you'd be able to share Jesus with an Arabian sheikh somewhere? Well, God can put you anywhere he wants to, right? All you have to do is obey him. So uh, I had to tell you that, because that's the weirdest thing that I've I've ever seen. But God does stuff like that. Now, I've been a pastor and denomination worker all my life. This is way outside my box, you know, but this is God. It has to be God, because I couldn't dream this stuff. (laughs) You couldn't dream this up. You couldn't possibly dream that up. It has to be God. And so it continues to mushroom and grow, and I'm just kind of hanging on. God keeps writing on the blank piece of paper, and we keep saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I'm 69 years old, so I'm not going to be around forever. And we have a succession plan in place. I have four young men, uh, actually five young men that uh, I'm grooming and training so that they can take part of that ministry. And it's working out extremely well. Um, It's not my ministry. It's God's. And if we can transfer that to a young person who is passionate about serving the Lord and winning people to Jesus, then we better do that. And so that's what we're doing now.